would you worship that powerful name? The God of the name, Jesus, magnified God, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Healer. His name is Jesus, but He is a God extraordinaire. I love you, Father. I rejoice in the power of your presence and glory. Thank you for who you are and what you do among men as you labor in our hearts to save and heal and deliver us. We glory in you, God. We glory in you today. We thank you for your glorious presence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Wonderful to be in the house of the Lord this morning with you and to feel the Lord. He is more than a name. He is more than a name. That name means nothing if you don't have a relationship with him. The sons of Sceva figured that out. You may not know that story, but the book of Acts tells you these men had seen demons cast out, so they decided to cast out demons. And the demon tore them up. Because they, the, de- the, the demon said, Paul, I know, Jesus, I know, but who are you? They had no relationship. We've so deified the name, and I want to be careful what I say. We've forgotten that name means nothing without relationship with the God of the name. You got to know the God whose name is Jesus Christ. And you have power in that name. There is authority in that name because we are sons and daughters. That's relational. It means there's a relationship going on. That's what grants power. Praise God. Ushers, would you come? We want to give you an opportunity to give and honor the Lord in your giving this morning. Join me as, you, as we pray to prepare your hearts in worship. Lord God, you're marvelous in all of your way. Our hearts are thrilled just to be able to join with fellow believers in your presence and feel the glory of your Shekinah saturating our hearts right now. Thank you for the beauty of worship. And that we have the privilege of lifting up a God through relationship that we could not otherwise know. We thank you that you've moved upon our hearts to give. And we thank you for the giving of Highland Village Church, Lord, that has been given around the world. And we praise you for that giving. And now, Lord, we come to give again. Let it be worship to you. Let our hearts do it with such joy that heaven rejoices over the gifts given today as expressions of our own walk with you. We do this in Jesus' name and for your glory, Lord. Amen. As you bring your tithe and offering, please listen carefully to a few announcements. I'm done. Thank you. I keep you all standing up here forever sometimes. Tabitha's storehouse is this Thursday from 10 to 2. Those of you who are wondering where that's at, it is in the basement of the house, the big house as we call it, on the north side of the campus here. That will be Thursday from 10 to 2. Equip is this coming Saturday, and it begins at 10 o'clock in the morning, and it will be in McDonald Hall. This is for anyone who desires to develop as a leader. That's you. You should be growing in the Lord. 
and the church needs leaders. We are overwhelming a few. We need more. We need more. And I promise you it's going to be a great, great occasion. You will enjoy it. This is certainly mandatory for those who are already in leadership, but we're encouraging others to come and join us from 10 until noon at McDonald Hall. Register at hvchurch.com forward slash equip. Equip. Then HVC Connect is this coming April. It's on Friday night, the 5th of April at 6.30 p.m. You can register online and pay $10 online at hvchurch.com slash connect. Friday, April the 5th, 6.30, and that will be here at the church. Am I correct? That will be here at the church, but it's going to be a painting, crafty type thing. should be a wonderful time, and I pray many of you come. Our Easter drama is coming up on April the 21st, Easter service, that Sunday. And our worship team has been working on a drama written by Brother Jason Mann that should be inspiring, encouraging, and challenging our hearts. Invite friends. This is certainly a time to invite them to church when many people do go to church. Even if they don't go the rest of the year, it's also a time when you don't have to worry about something happening crazy in church necessarily that would scare them off. I won't, I won't promise that, but typically it's a, a more mellow experience with us. And so I encourage you to invite friends and family, co-workers, anybody you can. Tonight at 7 o'clock here in the McDonald Hall, there will be a prayer meeting. This has been going on for some time, but I encourage you to come and join. It's led by Sister Langley tonight, 7 o'clock at the church. Then I want to thank all of you who gave this morning uh, for all of the food for Backpack Blessing. What a beautiful presentation. I know that the Backpack Blessing people are thrilled about that. Brother and Sister Aikman are thrilled. Give yourself a hand for the work you've done. And I believe that is it of all the obligations uh, Hannah, work, Hannah House work is on April the 6th from 9 in the morning till 2. There is limited parking down there. We will be running a van from the church down there. I encourage a lot of you to come and help us because we'll need lots of help. The more hands that come and help on Saturday the 6th from 9 to 2, the quicker the work will be done. And we will help a very worthy cause in this community as it ministers to pregnant women who are not in good circumstances or situations. And uh, the church needs to be concerned about that. We're concerned about a lot of things, and rightfully so, and I thank you for all of our concerns. This is one more area the Lord's asking us to be concerned about as a church. And my heart moved, is moved by it. I know yours is too, so let's, let's do some work on that Saturday and help by the grace of God. Amen? I want to speak to you for just a few minutes this morning. Out of John chapter 6, thrilled to be here. I, I would encourage you to please pray for my wife. It was this exact time last year that she got into an infection in her body that wound up putting her in the hospital in isolation. Not isolate, yeah, isolation for 10 days. She's never really fully recovered from it. And she's battling with infection majorly right now. She is home, extremely drugged up, attempting to deal with the pain, but also trying to get rid of the infection in the exact 
not, not in her stomach, but in her head is where it began before. And we're fighting this battle again a year later. I ask you to please pray. I, uh, I want God to deliver. I'm tired of that. It's one of my grievances with legacy. I believe legacy has worn her body down tremendously. And so I'm asking you to please join me in that prayer that God will heal her and we won't have another serious, serious issue on our hands. She was in emergency on Friday. And uh, so the Lord willing, we'll be taking her to an ear, nose, and throat doctor this week. <sighs> See if we can find an answer. I know the answer is Jesus Christ. And we need his help. We need his help. I'm... I think I'm like most of you. When, when your spouse is suffering, you suffer as well. I don't feel her pain, but I hate that she's in pain. And so, yes. Would you join? Would you, Brother Roberts, would you come here to this platform and lead us in prayer right now? Brother Keith, would you turn this mic on? Come on up here, Brother Roberts. I don't know if it's on. Flip that switch. So many times we say, let's pray for remembering prayer. That's not the same as praying. God wants us to bind together. Amen. I call our sister pastor. This is brother pastor. Join hands with someone. Let's pray right now for Sister King. Amen. In Jesus' name. God, you healed in the past. Your promises are true and real healing is in your name oh god you are a miracle working god and nothing is hard for you to do i pray right now in jesus name you reach down to king's body lord you know the cause you know the reason and i pray dear god that you would give her a touch lord let her faith rise let this church rise to the occasion let us have faith and believe God right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, let it depart, I pray. As we pray right now, in earnestness, in fervency, O oh God, believing you, O oh Lord. Jesus' name. Let it be dead in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Trust in you, God. Trust in you, God. Praise God. Thank you for your prayers. I believe our God answers. I believe he will answer. In Jesus' name. John chapter 6. I do not intend to preach long today. Now, I've said that before, and that's a dangerous thing. But I don't have many pages of notes. Let's put it like that. That also can be dangerous. John 6, 26 and 27, one of the most interesting statements of Christ's ministry. 
Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. I want to speak to you today from this thought. Eat his body, drink his blood. Eat his body, drink his blood. Now, if you are not familiar with church and Christianity, and you hear this statement, this sounds weird. Many of you who've grown up in the church, you've heard this enough that this is no big deal. We, we, we pass over this text all the time, and we'll get to it in a few minutes. We, we pass over this text all the time, never give two thoughts about it. But if you're new and we just drop that morsel on your head, you think, what kind of freaky place is this that the leader expects me to drink his blood and eat his body? Are you with me? I don't know how many of you are of the mindset and purpose of spirit that the Word of God means so much to you that you really want to figure out what it means. But I'd like to know what he means. And I believe the Word of God will tell us what he means. Would you join hands with somebody you just did so you ought to be comfortable with it? And would you ask the Lord to help them? I know you're not going to need help. You've got a spiritual mind, but they may need help. Ask the Lord to anoint them to get the hold of the Word of the Lord today. Lord, may grace abound in this room. This is not a college classroom to, to stimulate just mental assent. We are asking for the moving of your spirit and grace in the room so that the heart begins to be moved and the, the mind moves into the soul and the spirit of man begins to change as understanding permeates the inner man and life begins to be renewed in the spirit. I pray you would quicken this man who lacks so much. On a good day, I'm not much, but God, you can take even the weakest. You said you took the, the, the foolish to confound the wise. So take the foolishness of this man and use me, Lord, to, to astound the mind and heart of men with the simplicity of your plans and your purposes. Anointing of God, move through us this morning, and may your spirit move to salvation. We ask this in Jesus' name for your glory, Lord. Welcome all of our guests who are with us today. We're so glad you're here. Take a moment, shake somebody's hand, smile at them real big and say, isn't it great to be a United Pentecostal Church believer? Great to have Brother Painter back. He's traveling, traveling. He's still got more travels to go, but good to have him back. And I want to wish our youth pastor happy birthday.
Brother Painter and I spent about an hour Friday recording a podcast that will be released in a while on the subject of abortion. And this will be released only for our church to observe, but it will be intriguing. You will be informed from the word of the Lord and just from good dialogue from him and my coaching him with questions. Just prior to our text today, Jesus has done a miracle that I just recently preached about, the feeding of the 5,000 men plus women and children. He's just completed that miracle. And as was his pattern in some situations, after this marvelous miracle, he snuck off. He disappeared. They're all being wowed by the 12 baskets left over. They're all being amazed by the amount of food that came out of five loaves and two fishes. And in the midst of their awe and amazement and wonder, Jesus slips away. Bible says he traveled to the other side of the lake to be alone. You'll find Jesus did this a lot. He, he got alone a lot. And part of the reason for him getting alone was to reconnect to the Father. So that he knew he was doing the will of the Father and not his own will. Frequently you'll read this. If you'll take time to read through the Gospels, you're going to find this happens a lot. It's as often as any miracle that Jesus gets alone. Somehow the crowd found out where he was at. I don't know how they got there. I don't know how long it took them to get there. But they made their journey to find Jesus and they found him. And when they arrived, it appears from our reading of this little portion of the, the lengthy story, it appears that they obviously want to hang around him. Who wouldn't want to hang around a man who just fed 5,000 men plus women and children with five loaves and two fishes? Who wouldn't want to be around a guy like that? My goodness, marvelous. That's, that's unbelievable, kids. Get your, get your iPhones out take pictures. I wish they'd have had them because I'd like to see the pictures. Isn't it, I don't, do I want to go there? Isn't it intriguing that Christ chose to come in an era before there were iPhones? Now you laugh, but he could have chosen. Moving on. Maybe he's against iPhones. I don't know. I'm just kidding. As they approach him and they began to talk to him, it seems from what we're reading from the text that Jesus is concerned that his followers are going to get the wrong idea about the kingdom of God. And, and sadly, it seems that that concept has transferred into the modern era. There is a prosperity doctrine even predominant in our world today in the Christian community that is all about getting my stuff from God. It appears that Jesus is concerned about that. His statements are, truly I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. You, you, you got what you wanted. That's why you've come to see me. 
He's concerned that they'll think that he cares predominantly about their physical needs being met when the truth is, although he cared about their physical man, that's not why Christ came into the world. Jesus Christ came to that particular day and that particular hour at the appointed time because he was concerned about the spiritual starvation, the spiritual lack of bread, the spiritual lack of sustenance for those who were his church. Jesus tells them that their work is to be done for the kingdom of God, but it isn't the work that's for perishable things but rather the work that is for eternal things. Don't work, don't work to get bread. Work to get bread. This is the continual theme, it seems, of the Lord in His ministry. I take you to two locations quickly. Matthew 6, 19. Don't store, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Get your priorities right. Put your investments in the right place. Matthew 6.33. You're all familiar with this text. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. Notice it's not everything you want. It's not the American dream. It's the kingdom dream. When you seek him first. When you put him first. When he is the number one in your life. And your investments are in him. He will take care of your need. Jesus is encouraging his crowd to pursue spiritual blessing. He's encouraging them to pursue spiritual health. He's encouraging them to passionately pursue spiritual well-being, not just physical well-being. They've just experienced the miracle of being hungry, and Jesus fed them, and now his message seems to turn as he looks at them and says, you found me because you're wanting me to produce food again, but I don't want to produce that food anymore. I want to produce a different type of food for you. And it's the more important food. Now, some of us think we can't go a meal without, you know, we'll die. I call a fast around here, and I'm always intrigued by those who have excuses for why they can't. It's interesting. It's not the truth. It's just interesting. I just, you know, I get a bad attitude. That, that, that's why you pray while you fast. We all get a bad attitude. We all have to go to our knees and say, Jesus, work on my stinking spirit that you're revealing through my lack of food, my nasty inner core that's ugly. Okay, we intend to talk about fasting today. That's the danger of not having a lot of notes. I think a logical person after hearing this statement of the Lord, would ask the next logical question that they asked. So let me go back one more time and read his statement to, you, to us and then follow it with their question. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give to you, for on Him God the Father has set His seal. He says, don't work for earthly food, work for heavenly food. Now, I've preached to you and others have preached to you that it's, you know, 
Works are just an outgrowth of believing in the Lord. Works are not what saves you. So the next logical question that would happen in any mind is the question that they asked those brilliant people. Then they said to him, what, was, what must we do to be doing the works of God? This is verse 28, 628. Can you pull that? There we go. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? You just told us don't do the works for perishable stuff, but do the works of God for that bread that's imperishable. Well, that makes sense to me. That's a logical question I'd ask too. Okay, you just, re- you just rebuked us because we're working so we can eat. And now you tell us don't do that. You're telling us to work for the kingdom of God. What works should we do? I want to know this answer. I want to be saved. I want, I want my investments to be in that place called heaven. I want my investments in that spiritual kingdom. I truly want to pursue the kingdom of God first. So what is the work that I must do to be a part of that spiritual kingdom? So you, you've said don't work for perishable food, but work for the spiritual food. What does that work look like? We're familiar with what it takes to get physical bread on the table, but what does it take to get spiritual bread into our lives? We're familiar with going and digging the ditch to eat the beefsteak and digging the ditch to eat the beefsteak and digging the... We know what it is. You know you got to go make some bacon to be able to bring bread home. Paul comes along and says, if a man won't work, neither should he eat. we got lots of Bible that tells you you ought to work to eat. The free gratis thing is momentary and temporary. We only help those who are unable to help themselves. And we only help those who in a moment are in trouble and need help. But after a while, you can't be in trouble forever. Get up and do something. We don't feed you forever. You're supposed to work. You want to eat? Go work for it. We know what that looks like. But what does it look like to get spiritual bread in our lives? Jesus responds immediately. He responds definitively. He is in no way vague with his answer, amazingly enough, even though I've read it many times, I never noticed before. You know how Jesus, when he recognized that Pharisees didn't have pure intentions, he would kind of meander to an answer or never give them an answer? I want you to know that this crowd that day asked him an honest question from honest hearts, and he gave them an honest answer. In the next verse, verse 29, Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Drop the mic. Pentecostals, we're looking for lots of works. When Jesus tells us the work for that kingdom is to believe him. We have become religious. We do our works 
in the robes of religious practice. But I'm not sure we believe in him. If you believe in him, you live a different life. Oh, I'm not talking about the rules and regulations your head just ran to. I'm talking about relationship that restricts you in ways you've never been restricted and liberates you in ways you've never known liberty and moves your heart and stirs your spirit and quickens in you in ways you've never known it. It's called believing in the Lord Jesus Christ that begins to move you into the realm of spirit and not religious punditry. He said, if you want to do works, and I command you to do works for spiritual bread, the works you do is believe. When God's word tells you something, what do you do with it? We preached last Sunday by the leading of the Lord about the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the life that's in the blood. And this week when you fall, fell and you sinned and you disobeyed and you lied or you cheated or, or, you, or you just had wicked and evil surmisings in your spirit, what did you do with that? Did you believe in Jesus and his blood? And did you call upon his blood to cover your sin? Again, or, or was that just a good sermon last Sunday that, man, that, oh, I was so thrilled with that. My God, that was a good message. I just, and as soon as church is over with, well, we forget. Believers can't do that. When the word of the Lord comes, like in this type of setting or in other settings, small group, Bible study setting, whatever the setting, when the word of God comes, our hearts are convicted. Not convicted to the point of momentary, oh my God, that was, that was good, boy. Probably ought to do some changing. No, no, when you believe in him who he has sent, his word brings change. Now, I have to tell you, truth is painful without grace. Truth will kill anybody without grace. Not a person in this room. There, there, there's nobody I've ever met in my life who can handle truth without God's grace. Truth is too painful. Our own truths are too gloriously wicked. We need grace to come along and say, I'll help you do truth. I'll help you believe. I'll help you walk in the ways of God. He has given us the key, Pentecostals, to investing in heaven's kingdom. He has given us the key to investing in his word and his will. And it is so simple, but so difficult. Because you see, believing produces works. What I believe affects everything about me. I happen to have grown up, oh, God, give me wisdom. I, 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 many of you are fooled by me, not by my intention, but by your misperceptions. Many of you think I'm a very strong individual. If you were to remove this from my life, I am a very weak, weak, weak man. I deal with many insecurities. I grew up in, a, in an atmosphere that was non-affirming. I grew up in an atmosphere where I was ridiculed by my own home because I had too much pride and 
lots of things that they saw and were probably right. I, never, I didn't grow up in an atmosphere where people patted you on the back and said, man, you are awesome. My God, you can preach. That, 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 that didn't happen. I grew up in an atmosphere with, we can't use you, you're too arrogant. And I probably was. What, what I would do if I didn't believe his word is crawl up in a corner somewhere and die. But his word has declared to me that, number one, he called me at the age of 12 into the ministry and anointed me to preach his gospel. His word declares to me that I'm a son and I happen to be in right standing with him and it changes the way I live my life. If I live my life based upon history, I would be ashamed to stand here. I'd be afraid to stand here. I wouldn't do any of the things that I do, but a confidence in the Word of God and a belief in what He has said about me has caused me to say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I am the head. I am not the tail. Because Christ in me is my hope. And he's the hope of everybody else I touch in my life and world. My confidence is in the Lord. And because I believe his word, it literally changes everything about me. Hear me. Some of you in this room deal with insecurity. Some of you in this room deal with jealousies. Some of you in this room deal with, with various issues in your life. I want you to know something. If you'll get a hold of the word of God and begin to believe in him who he sent, I want you to know it will change your life. You will not live the way you've been living. Relationships will change. Life will change when you begin to believe in Him. Believe in Him. Don't believe what everybody else says. Don't believe what the world is telling. It appears the world is going down. I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ came to save our generation. His word says so. I believe in Him. I allow the Wall Street Journal, if I allow the New York Times, if I allow the Washington Post, bunch of junk that they are, if I, not Wall Street Journal, but the other two, if I allow them to influence my thinking, I think the world is corrupt, the world's a mess, the world is going down, but I encounter people like you who actually believe in God and who actually live good lives, and I love what I encounter with you, and beyond here, I experience people who love God and want to serve God and live, I experience that, it tells me the world's not what the paper says it is. Who are you going to believe? Mueller released his report. I didn't get too much in politics and whatever side you're on, I'm not going to take a side. Mueller releases a report Friday, Saturday, whatever day, Friday night. Everybody hoping for great catastrophes to happen and it hasn't happened. It may happen today, but it hasn't happened yet. The sorrow of some because their belief the joys of others in the same report because of what you believe. I am dealing with an individual right now, not in this church, outside of this church, who has sought me for counsel. It's a young lady. My wife is very aware and very involved. 
This young lady had a bad experience in her life recently where a man sought to molest her. And in talking to her, it's amazing that she even approached a man to talk about it. But the relationship and the Spirit of the Lord brought it about. But everything she thinks about men right now is horrible. And what I'm attempting to do as a a shepherd and a lover of her soul and one who cares for her is try to take her to the good book and cause her to believe not in men, but believe in the Jesus who can change men. If you'll believe in him, you began to invest in another world and priorities change and values change and things that once were important are no longer important. But what's important are the things of God's heart. This world is passing away, brothers and sisters. This world is drifting away upon us and the thing that matters is him. The New Living Translation of that same text says Jesus told him, this is, the, this is the only word God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. I'm telling you what God wants you to do today is believe in Jesus. And if you truly believe in Jesus, I promise you, I won't have to regulate your life, nor will the church leaders have to regulate your life. The Spirit of God in you will begin to regulate your life in ways you never thought imaginable. But it all comes down to what you believe. You see, for a long time, you believed it was my job to tell you what to do. I have attempted, by the grace of God in 12 and a half years, to tell you, no, it's God's job to tell you what to do. But you got to have a relationship with Him. By believing in Jesus Christ. And then the joys of that are phenomenal. Oh, it's, it's, it's life changing. Once again, they misplace their desires. And they go into this dialogue with Jesus on comparing him to Moses. Not strange, but it's what they did. Verse 30, they answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? And if you're not careful... You'll do the same thing. You'll be in the most trying, testing moment of your life. And you'll say, Jesus, I want to believe in you, but you're going to have to show me that you're worth believing in. You know what? And I'm not saying that that's wrong. What I am telling you is that is immature. Oh, that your faith in Jesus Christ grows to the point that no matter the storm or trial or trouble, you look at the storm and say, my God is able. My God shall provide. My God who brought me into it will certainly bring me out of it. It's the immature who says, Lord, you've got to show me a sign or I won't believe. I'm telling you, the real maturity of Christianity is believing no matter the storm. No matter the silence, no matter how quiet heaven is, the the, the real test of Christian maturity is that you just keep on believing. Keep on believing. Keep on believing. Keep on believing. This is the food of heaven. After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scripture says Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. They were Moses worshipers. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. 
signifying himself. Jesus gave them a biblical education on Moses' lack of ability and that Jesus is getting his supply from the same source that Moses is. Moses got manna from heaven. Moses didn't produce manna. Heaven produced manna. And that was temporary stuff. If you left it over till the next day, it got bad and, and worms got in and it was nasty. Except for on the sixth day for the seventh day. But every other day, if you kept that manna overnight, the next morning when you got up to put it together for a meal, it was nasty. He said, sirs, I want to tell you something. That bread was manna and it came from heaven. The bread God is giving you now is the true bread of heaven. It's not some little manna that satisfies the physical man. It is a spiritual bread that will transform the life of every one of you into being something you've never been before. But it's spiritual bread, the bread of Jesus Christ. They again, he directs them to truth in verse 33. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. We're back to this theme that Christ came to bring life. I want to tell you, he tells them with certainty, I am the bread and I've come with new bread. Bread from heaven that grants life. The bread of God isn't a thing, it's a person. Don't believe in manna from heaven, believe in the Messiah from heaven. Quit setting your affections on all the blessings of God. If you read the story of Job, you know the blessings can be taken away. It does not change God. The God who gave Job what he had and took it away was still the same God while he had it that, that he was when he didn't have it. If your faith in Jesus Christ this morning and your belief in him is because you're blessed, you're in trouble. You're, oh, I'm, I'm preaching well today. I know it may be deeper than some of you want to go to. But the fact of the matter is if the only reason you're serving God is for fear you're going to lose some stuff, then brother and sister Job, let me tell you, you're going to lose some stuff. Job said, the thing I feared has come upon me. If you're living for God out of fear, if you're tithing out of fear, if you're giving offerings out of fear, you're doing it for the wrong reason. The reason you ought to be doing it is because you're in love with Jesus Christ. The reason you ought to be doing it is because you believe in him and his gospel and you believe in the spread of his word. It's a depth that is life-changing. So you can join with Job in the deepest, darkest moment and say, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. No wonder he has duplicate blessings on the backside because the God who he even spoke, I, I reread Job recently, and I'm astounded at how mouthy he is to God. And to hear God then say, never once did he speak bad of me. God must have plugged his ears by the painter. I don't know how he did it, but Job was speaking some pretty rough stuff. But it appears he never lost his faith. And when the story was done after the having and the not having, he had more and better. And that's what some of us hear. We're looking for the more and better. No, 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 you've missed the mark completely. The more and the better really didn't matter to Job. He knew of the pain of loss. What mattered to him was God was still God. And his faith was not misplaced. His faith was not in a God who was absent and uncaring and unconcerned. He actually had faith in a God who was right where he was at. And knew exactly what was going on in his world. 
Pentecostals, too many of us are living for God because of the fear of loss or because of the blessings. I implore you by the grace of God, start eating this bread from heaven. Start believing in him. Believe his word. Do his word as you believe it. John 6 and 34 says, they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. This bread's phenomenal. If this is the bread you're talking about, then give it to us all the time, like anybody normal would ask. If the bread is to believe in the God who sent you, then give us this bread that's amazing all the time. Wanting the blessings Jesus had provided is not the same as believing in him. Jesus had come to give them bread from heaven, but not the kind of bread that they'd just eaten. So he begins to test their will to believe in him by making statements that sound weird. I just thought I was weird. Jesus has got me beat by a million miles. John 6.35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you, may, that you may have seen me and yet do not believe. I wonder how many times we have our own, in our own hearts faithfully obeyed in, in, in being in the house of God and being among the people of God. But in our heart we're an unbeliever. Oh, 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 we look good. In fact, we'll ridicule anybody who doesn't look good. Because that's the only thing we're leaning on. Because our heart no longer believes in him. Oh, it started out that way. You can't be saved without believing in him. You, you, you cannot be filled with the spirit unless you're believing in him. It all begins with belief. Nobody in this house has been filled with the Holy Ghost unless you believed in Him. So at some point, those of you who are filled with the Spirit, you were a believer. But the cares of life can choke out the seed of believing as you watch your prayers not answered. As you watch pain and hurt come into your world. And it seems as though it never turns around he must not love me I must have placed my faith in the wrong place I'm going to have to take care of myself because we all know you got to lift yourself up by your own bootstraps right anybody's ever tried that doesn't work but we believe this. Life, circumstances, and church experience will cause us to become unbelievers if you don't rekindle the bread of believing in your spirit. I'm telling you, this all comes down to believing. 
the work of the kingdom and the fulfillment of our spiritual man is to believe in Jesus Christ. I don't care what circumstances say. It's simply to believe Jesus. Job, you've lost everything. Though he slay me, I will believe. Circumstances do not dictate my faith in God. Circumstances do not deter me from my belief in God. Well, he didn't come through. We had a need. We needed this. this. Did you really? Or was it a want? And if it really was a need, he already told you if you'd seek his kingdom first, he'd take care of every need. Are you really seeking his kingdom first? Or is this just something that's going on in you that you're trying to satisfy the weakness of your own ego? And because your mom and your daddy weren't who they were supposed to be. We don't want to get into a counseling session today. The pulpit's never meant to be that. But I wonder. Jesus even gets stranger, folks. That sounded crazy. He said, I am the bread. That sounds funny. Can I also say this? Jesus was trying to show us something by saying, I am the bread. It was not just symbolic. He was trying to relate to our hearts and spirit how simple this really is. If I were to take you to Israel today, on every meal table that we would eat at, there's bread. Because bread was part of their living. And in fact, if you'll study the culture, you'll find out there were times that there was no meat whatsoever, but bread was there. Because bread was the common staple of the people. And so what God is trying to tell us, Jesus Christ is trying to tell that crowd, is living for God is as simple as bread. It's not complex. It's not crazy. It's not so difficult that nobody can do it. It is as simple as the bread you eat. But the bread you eat is believing in me. That's what inflates the spiritual man. That's what grows the spiritual man up. But he gets even stranger. In verse 50, he says, This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. If you were a logical person standing in the crowd that day, logic would have traveled you down the road to say, is he telling us? We're supposed to eat his flesh. Now, I know this is old story to all of you. you, you you've already heard this a hundred zillion times. It's like, come on, pastor. This makes no big deal. I'm telling you, it's the difference in life and death. What I'm preaching to you right now is the difference in spiritual life and being spiritually dead, dried up from the, from the inside out, but going through the motions of Christian experience. But there is no life in you because the life comes from the bread of life. And unless you're eating by believing from the bread of life, you are spiritually dead. And it is not a haphazard thing. It is not a once in a while thing. It is a daily eating. If you're not fasting, most of you eat once, twice, three times, four, five, six. and midnight snack too. yet believing in the bread of life we give it a passing courtesy in the mornings maybe I hope so I pray so 
or the afternoons, or at least once a day I read my Bible. But how many times did you eat today? This is a revelation of Jesus Christ. You know that, right? Everybody's familiar with the fact this is the, your Bible's nothing more than a nothing more. That's kind of dumb language. It is a revelation of Jesus Christ. So if you are to know him and experience him and to believe in him, you're going to have to know him through his word and spirit. The only way to know Christ is through his word and as the spirit enlightens your understanding and causes you to be stirred up inside and say, oh, I believe. Oh, there are moments in my own personal devotion life when the word of God begins to talk to me out of the text. I'm like, I'm a sinner. I believe. Thus I must do something about what his word has told me. I also have read in there and found out I'm an overcomer. In the most trying and difficult situations, his word said, I am an overcomer. I believe, thus I must live and conduct myself like an overcomer. Because his word said so. I may not feel any different. But his word has told me. And I'm a believer in him. He says, eat my flesh. Eat my flesh. Let me briefly summarize what I've just gone through so, you, so we don't lose track here. How do you, their question was, how do you labor for the food that endures for eternal life? That's their question, right? How do you get that, that food that lasts forever? Believe in me, John 6, 27 and 29. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me in faith shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst, John 6, 35. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day, John 6, 40. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life, John 6, 47. It's about believing in him that launches you on the path to salvation and eternal life in Jesus Christ. If you don't believe, there's no hope for you. It all starts with believing in Jesus, and it all ends with believing in Jesus, and everything in between is believing in Jesus. That's everything. It's that simple. It's as simple as a slice of bread. It's not complex, this living for God. It is as simple as believing that when he speaks, he means what he says, and thus it must change my life. If I don't believe, I walk away to conduct myself like I had before he spoke. When you come to the house of God, I pray the pulpit in Highland Village Church is strong enough and bold enough and attuned to God's spirit. I pray the worship team of Highland Village Church is attuned to God so much to such a degree that when we sing and when we preach, your heart is moved to change. If this pulpit reaches a point where, where it's platitudes of ease and comfort in Zion, and oh my God, don't you just feel so good just to be here among the brothers? Don't anybody shake the apple cart. Everybody just love one. No, 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 no. Word of God should penetrate so deeply that it challenges you to say, Father, first, do I believe? Am I eating the bread? And if I am, hallelujah. And what is the bread saying to me today? I promise you, if you're in tune, if you've prayed it all and been in tune with the Lord this morning, His Spirit is talking to you right now. You think I'm saying things I haven't said, but the Holy Ghost is speaking. Because He wants you to obey. It's up to you. For Jesus, eating is believing. For Jesus, drinking is believing. He promises eternal life to those who believe in him. Believe what? We must believe in Jesus. 
every day of your life and all of the decisions of life, we have a choice to believe in Jesus and his word or the reasoning of our own minds and the other pseudo-authorities that we pursue for direction, inspiration, encouragement, comfort, many other things. I want to tell you something. I'm not opposed to reading. Dear God, you know I'm not opposed to reading. I read books. I'm about tired of reading books. I, I, so by no means am I speaking against reading, but I'm asking us, where do we go to for our inspiration? Where do we go to for direction in our life? Where do we go to when we need a word for a decision in life? I'm telling you, either our Bible is true or it's the biggest phony the world has ever known. And Jesus said he has the answers to all of life. Where are we in our relationship with him where he becomes our first resort? Our first inquiry. Not our last when everything else has failed. It all has to do with what you believe. Every day of your life, you have a choice. I say to you, believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Join the young disciple Peter, and maybe not so young by the time this text came out. In John 6, 68, this same chapter in the latter part, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. By the way, at the end of Jesus' message, everybody bailed. They booked the scene. They couldn't quite get their heads around eating flesh and drinking blood. They packed their bags and walked out on him. And he looks at his own disciples who've been with him now for, this is the latter part of his ministry, at least uh, probably three years, maybe two and a half, three years. He says, will you also leave me? And Peter marvelously says these words. Oh, you've got the, where would we go? You've got the words of eternal life. Peter had an understanding that he was going to believe in the bread. And he knew the bread had every answer he had need of. Pentecostals, if we're not careful, we are Pentecostal in name only, not in experience and not in living. I challenge you to begin to living, to begin living in the Holy Ghost. I challenge you to begin living as a believer in Jesus Christ, not a believer in Pentecostal doctrine, but a believer in Jesus Christ, where your life is lived under the shadow and umbrella of the Spirit all day, every day. And what He says, you believe, and how He says it, you listen to it. I couldn't pastor this church if I didn't believe in Jesus Christ. He gives me words that protect me. He gives me words to shepherd you, not just Sunday mornings. He gives me words that guard us from potential troubles that could come down the road. Because I believe in him. And you can too. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. This is what Peter says. says you have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus declares to us today in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, Come to me. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Come to me. Come to me. Pastor, we're just carrying a load. We just can't carry it. It's gotten so heavy. It's so challenging and so difficult. It, I, I tell you, I don't know if we can go any further. Come to me. All of you are 
who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The next verse is amazing. He said, take my yoke upon you, which is a rabbinical term regarding those who were to be his followers. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Is your soul troubled today? Is there unrest in your spirit today? I want you to know when you believe in Jesus Christ, you should be at peace. He is sovereign. He is in charge. He has everything under control when you are his and you believe in him. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Finally, 2 Corinthians 5 and 19 says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Shocking. No longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Pentecostals, apostolics of Bloomington, can I say something to you right now? One of the troubles that we apostolics have with reaching our generation is we don't think we've solved our own problem with Jesus yet. We're still dealing with the shame that Satan keeps haunting us with with our past. And I'm telling you, we can't be reconcilers until we're assured of our own reconciliation. You may not feel like it's all been dealt with, but can I tell you something? Believe in Jesus Christ. Believe in the blood that was shed 2,000 years ago. Believe that it does, in fact, cover your sin. Believe in the fact that you're in right standing with the Lord if you've asked him to forgive you of your sin. And you ought to be an ambassador of reconciliation and no longer one meeting out judgment. Oh, we have had a culture, a culture of judgment in this city because of our own judging of one another. I call us to the ministry of reconciliation, but you can't go there until you understand you've been reconciled. But you can't know that unless you believe in the work of Jesus Christ and believe that everything he did was enough. Everything he accomplished was enough to save me. I'm not so bad that his blood can't cover my sin. I'm not so bad that the bread he's offering me is not sustaining for me today. He has called me a son, and he won't kick me out of the family. He's, he's brought me in to keep me in. Now I can freely give to others. I've known what it is, Pentecostals, to know the comfort that comes from being a son of Jesus Christ. I know what it is to be able to love, love freely and to love openly and let the love of God flow through my spirit to other people when I didn't even know it growing up. You know why that happens? Because I know the love of Jesus Christ in my life and I know how much he loves me and how much he cares for me and it has empowered me to love unconditionally because I know he's loved me in the same manner. We continue this text as I come to conclusion today. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. That ought to be the word you say to everybody you meet. Come back to God. Come back to God. Hopefully you know some people who need to come back to God. Hopefully your associations are only with people who are living for God. My God, enlarge your circle. So you can tell some people, come back to God. 
Because I'm an ambassador. I'm an ambassador of the greatest message the world has ever known. I'm an ambassador of the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm an ambassador of reconciliation because he did all the work. I stand in righteousness in him. Not because I'm good, but because he made me good. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. The call of the Lord to us today is to believe in Jesus. Not just to believe in him and in, in, in who he was, but to believe in the work that he did. I'm going to tell you, everyone in this room is going to make a mistake or two in the next week or so. Yeah, and we use this word mistake. Maybe we need to call it what it is. We're going to sin. Some of you are going to sin with your mouth. Some of you are going to sin with your behaviors. Some of you are going to sin with, with, with what you... Uh, it's, it's just a little white lie. What is that? There's none perfect in the house. If you were, you wouldn't be here. Jesus would have taken you out. It's called death. You're done. Good enough. Go. He's perfected you. For we who are living for him. Or he'll send a chariot with horses. You're sitting here under this ministry because you need help. That's the biggest sign. There's your sign right there. You're going to live with the condemnation of your failure or you're going to live with the joy after you've confessed it. Now, you can't commit sin and walk in joy at the same time. <laughs> Not possible. Not if you have a conscience at all. But if you sinned and you confess, 1 John 1, 9, he covers. The Bible says he's faithful and just. He covers. And if he covers, you ought to stand up on your feet and trust in the covering power of Jesus Christ. And believe in what he tells you. If there's reconciliation that must be met, he will tell you in that moment. You did this to that person, you need to go make it right. If there's nobody to be made right with, he will absolve you of your sin in that moment. You have to. To believe that. It will change your entire day. It will change your entire life. And in fact, it will change the way you interact with other people. You know what some of our biggest battle I need to quit. You know what some of our biggest battle is? Is we see other people getting away with what we want to get by with. In the church. I've watched this. I've pastored now for 27 years. I'm telling you, I've watched it and watched it and watched it. The very people who do this, if they'll look real close, they'll find out this is the real problem. I don't have a problem with what you're doing because I'm assured, number one, in my walk with the Lord, I'm also assured in the fact that if he loves you, he's going to whoop your hind in. And he's much better than I am at whooping hind ends. <laughs> Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, as a father does his son. He'll, he'll put his word on you. And you'll do something with it. You'll either believe it or not. The call of the Lord today is believe in Jesus, the righteous one who purchased your salvation. Come to him. Let his grace and work of repentance in your life today have its perfect work. And let his blood cover your sins and grant you life again <sighs> I prayerfully sought the Lord on how to conclude this service today
Because it's just as important to me how we conclude as how we preach. And I felt led of the Lord to conclude in the manner I'm getting ready to conclude. Brother Roberts, Brother Taylor, Brother Dobson, Brother Dummett, would you come here to the front with me, please? We're going to take communion together today. You're going to participate in eating his flesh and drinking his blood. We do not believe in transubstantiation as do some other churches. We do not believe what is in these vessels becomes the real blood of Jesus, nor do we believe it becomes the real flesh of Jesus. It is symbolic. But what I want you to know is he commanded us to do it, and in commanding us to do it, he said, when you do this, you are touching me. So in the next few moments as we take this together as a church, and certainly if you don't want to participate, that is your right. We will in no way look at you any differently. But as you partake in this in the next few moments, you're partaking with the body. And we are the body because of his blood and his flesh. We are one because if you believe in him, you become part of that flesh and that blood. We are sons and daughters because of the work of Jesus Christ. Brethren, if you would take one of these and then stand in front of a section. I would like for you to come to them today and then return to your seat. Brother Seth, if you would come, I'd like to sing an old song. I don't know if you know it. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Nothing but the blood. Would you stand across the room? And what I would like for you to do is I'd like for me, if you want to, and, and we're, not, we're not keeping attendance on who is and not. Please, that, that spirit has long left Highland Village Church. This is you and Jesus, man. All we care about is that you're tuned into him. And if you're not ready to do this today, that's you and Jesus. Okay? You and him work that out. If you're ready, then please do. Come, if you will, and take from this. And would you return to your seat and would you wait patiently? And we will do this together as a body, participating in the taking in of his flesh and his blood. But the greater message is that we're believing in him and his work.
1 Corinthians 11:25 in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying This cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me As often as you eat this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes I would like for you to join me now and let's pray together by the leading of the Lord Jesus Christ in this moment. Lord, we praise you for the gift of blood that was shed and the work that you did at Calvary to blot out the sin of our transgression. We do not come here today in confidence in our own flesh and our own righteousness and that we've done right things to make it possible to be a participant in the body of Christ. Rather, we come here today because of your mercy. We come here today because of the work of your grace and blood that was shed to blot out our sin. Body that was broken for the healing of our many needs. Forgive us our transgressions, Father, by your own glorious power. Cleanse our hearts and and renew our spirit and make our spirit new in you, we pray, so that we believe in you again. Stir our hearts to be awakened by your glory. And I pray, Lord, as we participate in this, that the presence of Almighty God would be felt in our hearts in this moment. We ask this in Jesus' name and because of your work, Jesus, we do this in honor of you. Amen. Would you take of the wafer? This is symbolizing his body that was broken for our healing and broken because of the transgressions of mankind that were upon him. Our sins our iniquities. He bore and paid the price. Drink of the fruit of the vine, if you will, because it's his blood in which the life is lived. It's his blood that blots out transgressions and gives us eternal life in Jesus Christ. Now, would you remember him? Believe in him. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for blood. Thank you for flesh that was broken and blood that was shed. That I might stand here redeemed and covered. Transgressions blotted out and made alive in Jesus Christ. Thank you that once again we touch the miraculous. Once again we're in tune with the glory of your work and spirit in our lives. Praise you. We thank you, O God, for you have called us and led us to be sons and daughters and fit us into the body and the vine so that we are recipients of that which we paid no price for but gained by the glory of your hand. We praise you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus And what can make me whole again 
confess a need for that blood so long ago shed to blot out our sin and transgression. We thank you for the fact it is living. 
And now, Lord, we thank you that you are the bread of life and that our believing in you grants us the works of eternal life as you work our faith in us to produce the works of the kingdom. Oh, God, be empowered in us. Oh, God, live gloriously in our lives. Lord, may we believe radically in you so that our lives demonstrate the radicalness of a life changed and a purpose-filled, dutifully organized by God, life intended for your glory and the advancing of your kingdom. Change us. Change us until we are radical ambassadors of reconciliation because we recognize our own position of being transformed by your work and labor. We have been reconciled by your own work. Now make us ambassadors of such glorious gospel message that all men everywhere that we encounter in our little worlds may know that we are an ambassador of a message and a gospel that brings them to the life-giving bread of life. Jesus Christ who can perform in them what he's done in us we praise you and we thank you for it in Jesus name and for your glory you listen for the voice of that God you believe in right now the man Jesus Christ the bread would you through your believing in him hear his voice as he speaks to you now to do what is pleasing in his sight found in my living for the Lord not necessarily my experience to be your experience but this is my experience the altars of my life are often alone but the obedience that he calls me to is often public outside the walls I'm afraid we've twisted it to think that obedience was here and there is a level of obedience here. But often what the Spirit of the Lord speaks to you is beyond the walls. It's good to obey Him here, but it's greater to obey Him there. When you leave this house in the next few moments, there's, there's such a closeness of God right here. You feel that. He is literally right here with us. I remember as a boy growing up, being in services just like this, and I did not want to leave because what I felt was so close. But I would walk out the door eventually to go to Pizza Caboose, which was up the street from the church, and he would travel with me. I would feel that closeness all the way. It would be easy to walk out of this atmosphere and not take the atmosphere with you. I'm asking you to bottle it up inside of you 
and walk out to a world that needs you to be the light and the ambassador that they need and carry this to them. Let it change the way you interact with the waitress at the restaurant. Let it change the way you talk to the grocer. Let it change the way you talk to the cashier. Let it change the way that you do business Monday morning. Carry. He's with you. You are not just what you are. You're an ambassador of the bread of life. You are an emissary of the greatest message the world could ever know. Remember who you are and conduct yourself in that way. Carry his blood with you. Carry his body with you and be his blood and body in the world. Amen? I pray this, I pray this is a momentous moment in the history of this church. I know it's not a fantastic message, but I pray this is a moment of change where we began to infect our affect and infect our community with the life-saving gospel of Jesus Christ. Not because we're cramming scripture down their throat, but because our lives are living testimonies of witness, of love that we've experienced so now we share bread that we've eaten that sustained us so now we share by the power and provision of God amen God bless you I pray you have a great week we'll see you Wednesday night in the house of the Lord be here small groups are great it's a marvelous thing if you're not coming you're missing something it's good for you spiritually and we just we just talk bad about you when you're not here so you ought to show up so we can talk about you to your face God bless you. Love all of you. So glad you're part of HVC. Have a great day in Jesus' name. Amen.